and we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't already done so, then make sure that you are subscribed to Nimsy Insights. Now's your chance. If you are subscribed, you're going to be the first person to know when we schedule new events like this or when we publish new research available at Nimsy.com. And speaking of events, I wanted to take a moment today to look at the Nimsy events calendar. And for those of you that aren't aware, if you go to Nimsy.com forward slash events, you can see all of the upcoming events in the industry. If you have an event that you'd like to add to this calendar, you can do so. There's a self-service right here. Lots of people use this to plan their travel budget for the year. And of course, future Nimsy live episodes as well as... Um, as big events from Nimsy Insights are avail- are also listed on here as well. Um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to my colleague from Multilingual Magazine today, Eddie, who is going to tell us a little bit about Multilingual Magazine because today's conversation features an article published on Multilingual. Eddie, take it away. That's right. That's right. Tucker, thank you so much for, for the time. And um, just for those that don't know, uh, Multilingual Media is the most influential global multi-platform publisher for the language and localization industries since 1987. But, but I won't tell you about that today. I won't tell you about our over 47,000 uh, readers worldwide, 89 countries. Uh, I just want to leave the audience with something that might be useful for them. And that is around press releases. So if you have press releases, and if you didn't know, you can send those over to Multilingual and we will publish them for free. You can send an image with that. You can send a link with that. And you can do that as easily as, as, as you can imagine. So you can go to multilingual.com slash submit hyphen news or easier. You just send those press releases to news at multilingual.com. And with that, we'll receive those. And if for whatever reason it doesn't work, I'll be talking to you. My name is Eddie Arrieta, and I'm leading Partner Success at Multilingual. And I love to see your announcements, your press releases coming our way, and, and we'll get you some exposure. So thank you, Tucker, for the time. And I'm really excited to, to see what this interview is going to turn out to be. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much, Eddie. And for those of you joining us live today, you can join us in the, the comment section. And we'll try to get to those comments as we um, as we are going through this. So questions and comments for us or for our guests, then you know that's what that's what it's there for. So let's get right into it today. Uh, today's topic. So in a recent article, "Live Machine Translation: A New Dawn for Conference Interpreters," was published in Multilingual Magazine. Audman Bratton, the CEO of Interprefy, addresses the pressing issue of interpreter shortages and how machine translation, automatic speech recognition, um, can help break down language barriers and meet the growing demand for interpretation. We'll delve into the possibilities of automating live translation, the benefits of incorporating captions at events, and the symbiotic relationship between technology and human interpreters. Additionally, we're going to be discussing the rapid rise of machine translation and its impact on conference interpreting. Don't forget to grab your copy of Multilingual Magazine. It's this one right here, the April edition. And if you're following along at home, we are on page 53, where we're going to be going through Odman's article. Um, I'd like to follow along at home. Introducing our guest today, Odman Bratton is the CEO of Interprefy. Um, Odman is a seasoned leader in strategy and business development, known for his innovative thinking and execution prowess in growing successful businesses. With a wealth of experience in the high-tech and telecom industries, Odman has a proven track record in driving revenue growth, product management, and people management. His expertise extends to the areas such as partner management, business case development, planning and execution, team building, change management, cost control, and stakeholder management. Uh, many of you know Interprefy already. The company Odman Leans is founded in 2014 by Kim Ludvigson. Interprefy aims to break down language barriers by revolutionizing the delivery of simultaneous interpretation through cutting-edge cloud-based technology. In recent years, Interprefy has experienced m- remarkable growth 
providing unparalleled support to international organizations, not-for-profits, SMEs, and multinational enterprises. Their prestigious clientele includes renowned names such as Google, GlaxoSmithKline, UEFA, and Facebook, enabling them to truly make their events multilingual. Uh, that's a mouthful for Interpify. I think we could probably go on, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Odman. Welcome to the show. Anything that I left out in your introduction or talking about Interpify? No, hi there, Tucker and, and everyone. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, and as you mentioned, I'm leading Interpify, and you probably, some of you know it, us, and we've been focusing on remote simultaneous interpretation for the last eight years and and my background is a technologist so I'm, I'm sort of new to the language industry so I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here and discuss this now trend and merge we have technology human professional interpreter and, and machine and how that we can blend that together so now um, yeah, looking forward to our discussion. Welcome to the show, Adman. And because you and thank you for submitting an article to Multilingual for publication, it was it was a great article that I had the opportunity to read. And as I was going through it, I pulled out some quotes for mm -hmm. it to kind of help structure a conversation between us today. Because I think you make some really good points in here. So let me just start by bringing up on screen here. Um, once again, it's an April issue if you're following along at home. And one thing that I wanted to – so just a qu quick introduction. Uh, I'll introduce the premise here. Everyone from large corporations and NGOs to SMEs and freelancers can gain access to live translation services, making it completely or extremely easy to cater to audiences across the globe. It also reduces the need for interpreters to travel, thereby minimizing costs and the impact on the environment. But as events went digital during the pandemic, the need for language interpreting has skyrocketed. Demand only expected to grow as the world continues to connect and conduct business in hybrid participation setups, and businesses are having to find new solutions to cater to international dispersed audiences. And I, I thought this was a great introduction to the topic today. And the first question I wanted to talk to you about is how has interpreting – how has that whole landscape changed in the last three, four, five years? And we had a global pandemic that, of course, it hit every industry, but as far as conference interpreting, on-site interpreting, it hit that particularly hard because there were no in-person events to, to mm -hmm. interpret for. And what, what I've seen, what we've seen here at NIMSI is that it really kind of accelerated an evolution within the interpreting space. Um, to rely more on technology, but I wanted to get it straight from from your mouth. Mouth. What What are some of the um, changes that you've seen? Yes. So, as I said, I've been in this industry now for like seven, eight years, and what we've seen at this at the start, then uh, interpreters were on site with the traditional equipment and we were trying to sell this more sustainable and more flexible way of using remote interpretation. And, and we got into some deals, but actually when the COVID or the pandemic hit, we saw suddenly that the change of the whole industry and the mindset changed. So now suddenly they say, okay, it is possible to do events uh, as remote and interpretation. And, and we trained, 5,000 or more interpreters and and we also saw that this started then to generate the demand because uh, people met online, they saw we could deliver into any platform, into Zoom, into Teams, into On24 and Hopin and all of these and suddenly you can have interpretation where you couldn't before because on the one hand side interpreters were ready and trained and on the other side the customer saw that this was possible so there has been a big big shift and growth certainly for remote interpretation and also interpretation or overall has grown in the last few years in the number of hours used for interpretation so it's um, uh, technology has definitely helped to 
grow this demand and and market and now it's it's a it's a new yeah people see that technology can help and and actually expand the business for both interpreters and and satisfy the customers so so you would say that demand has actually increased mm-hmm. because in the long term because of the pandemic demand has actually increased because more and more people realize that there was a cost-effective way to do remote interpretation services? Yeah, and that you can, because there was a big limitation before with on-site mm-hmm. where you had to, you only, let's say, had the handful, let's say interpreters, let's say in Zurich where I am, that could work locally. And then when you need different languages, let's say Japanese into German, that you would then have to maybe fly in some people and, and that limits then the reach and also certainly the efficiency of interpretation. If you have to spend a lot of time traveling, you can spend less time on, on working. So I do think it's been increasing the, the efficiency also for the interpreters and, and hopefully also their well-being, and I believe so. Which kind of takes us to our next point here is there's you, you make the point that there's not enough interpreters to meet the increased demand. And just to quote from your article in Multilingual, says, the change in how events are being delivered has opened up previously unexplored opportunities to invite and connect with attendees. Many enjoy being able to connect from the other end of the world. But for those that prefer the buzz and excitement of being on the ground, hybrid events are becoming increasingly popular to cater to both sides. However, the globalization of events could soon lead to a shortfall of skilled interpreters catering to rising demand. The continued development of AI and machine translation tools is therefore critical, and there have been recent announcements from tech giants such as Meta and Google on their own translation software. So a lot lot of moving parts here um, with with the event space. I think hybrid events are definitely here to stay. I think remote events are here to stay. This this podcast, this live stream was born out of the pandemic um, in an attempt to meet a need for community that that was previously being served by by in-person events. So, I mean, that's literally why I started doing this a couple years ago. so you make the point with this increased demand, the um, there's going to be, or already is perhaps, a shortfall of skilled interpreters. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Are you seeing this? Is this something that you're noticing in the industry? Is it hard to find skilled, qualified interpreters to service needs? Or is this kind of just a future prediction here? It It's the, almost a future prediction. Okay. And just to, for people to understand how this demand increases is through that uh, these hybrid events where you get more and more remote audience so connecting, then the company see, okay, we can, can add on these and these users in different countries where they maybe before just did local events in, in their own language. So that increases the demand for interpretation and but we're also seeing there are not more more interpreters uh, graduating from universities than people are retiring so there is Mm. there is not a yeah a big growth also there on the interpretation side on the number of interpreters of course rsi can help on the efficiency so this is uh, a a future prediction and and sometimes on the busy let's say the busy months there is also some difficult to get some languages and so like in the october november time frame where there is a higher demand for events and and things happening so we've seen that already so and and you're saying that so the switch to rsi remote simultaneous interpreting um the switch to that was there what have you seen as far as like was there resistance for the tran the sorry the interpreters because I, i've spoken to some conference interpreters that really weren't too happy about moving to rsi it was you know bring back the booth 
you know, it's, mm. we want the booth. How is, how have those perceptions changed that you've seen? And I know you're not a working interpreter yourself, but how have you seen those perceptions shifting amongst the interpreter community, specifically the conference interpreter community? As I said before, like four or five years ago, or even when we started, there was a big reluctance. We were seen like almost like the devil in disguise right. by some, uh, right. I've heard that quoted from interpreters themselves. Uh, and I was just fresh to the industry and I thought, okay, this is going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the pandemic, it, of course, it, not all interpreters, even in those days, they, they saw the, or a lot of them saw the possibilities and embraced it. So there was like yeah. a, a two camps. But now I think they know that RSI benefit is there to stay and it benefits them and and they can also work more and, and have a, a better life balance. I've, I've spoken with some interpreters and, and I still remember uh, some years ago I spoke to one and, and he said he used to travel around all the time and what he really appreciated was that he could go and have a beer with his mates in the evening. Yeah. Because... And not having to schedule that two months ahead. Right. So, I mean, they're benefiting from working from home just like the rest of us. Mm, yeah. So, and a lot of this was driven by the the increase in remote simultaneous interpreting and video remote interpreting, VRI, RSI, whatever acronym, pick your acronym out there. Mm. And so that's a technology that's definitely been influencing the space a lot in the work that you do at Interprefy. But you also, in, in your article, is mostly about machine translation, um, automatic speech recognition, and mm -hmm. auto-generated captions for interpreting. And so for those of the folks listening out there, what are what is captioning as a service um, to promote accessibility to, to events? So what is multilingual cap captioning, and how does technology play a role in it? Yeah, so let's start with the caption. And that's also where we started in the the AI space about two years ago by using the technologies out there. And you mentioned ASR, the speech recognition, which is basically capturing the speech and trend, or conveying it, transcribing it into the captions, which is was early demand was for accessibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, uh, what we've seen is that, and as you mentioned also, there's been a change that actually captions is used by a lot of people, either for understanding or for helping taking notes. Uh, so it's not just accessibility. It's something that's being generally used for by everyone. But so that's just captioning what's said on the, on the floor or in, in the room like here. And translated captions is taking what's being said, translating it into a different language in real time mm -hmm. or close to real time, and then producing captions in a different language, like German, for example, for this. So, and so we're using, we're using machine translation for that. Uh, is this a service, the um, translated captions, is this a service that has been made possible by technology, i.e. machine translation? Or, I mean, forgive me, this isn't my space, the captioning mm -hmm. space, right? So on this question, is this a service that's been around for a long time? Did humans actually used to do this, translate captions in real time? I know we've had automated captioning for a long time, um, but as far from a multilingual standpoint, has that been around for a while or is it new? This is quite new. I mean, there have been prototypes around for a long time, but it's it's new that the quality is is at the level it is today and the accuracy. So, um, so I would say it's new also as a, that it can be provided in mass for a lot of languages. So, uh, this is something quite recent in. And traditionally, are you seeing multilingual captioning? Are you seeing this as an alternative 
to conference interpreting or simultaneous interpreting, or is this something that is typically added on as an extra in addition to simultaneous interpreting for events? It, we've seen, or um, in the last year or two, we've seen that this is added on as addition. Okay. For uh, depending on on, so we have the the events. Maybe a small example like Switzerland, where we have three main languages, uh, and French and German are the predominant ones. So you have interpretation for that, but known for Italian because uh, there are few participants and it's it's more expensive. So then you can add on Italian with with captions. Uh, where we've seen that it's, um, I wouldn't say replace the interpreter because these are customers that come to us at wanting multilingual services, but they don't have the budget and for interpretation. They've never used interpretation, but they, they feel, okay, this, this can bring them something. So in those cases, it, we provide captioned or translated captions only because then uh, they don't have the budget for the for the interpreter, right? So it's um, it's it's sort of both. Well, and this takes us back to our our conversation about demand increasing, <clears> right? <throat> and I I define I'm not sure how the economists define it, but I define demand as you know not just people wanting a service, but people wanting a service and being able to purchase that service mm -hmm. and to pay for that service. And a lot of people previously wanted interpreting for their events, but the, you know, flying interpreters out, setting up a booth, um, paying, renting the equipment, all of that stuff, paying, you know, half day minimums, paying for two interpreters so that they can trade off as, as best practice. This was largely cost prohibitive for people. So the demand wasn't there just because people couldn't afford it. And with the rise of with technology, you know, there is increased demand because the the costs are going down, or these minimal viable products are are coming onto the market that allow people to actually dip their toe into it. Because I know there's a mm -hmm. lot of people, a lot of event organizers out there that would love to make their event more accessible. They just don't have the budget for it. So this is where the, the technology has been really coming it into play. Definitely, and that was also our main motivation for starting with technology about three, four years ago. We had prototypes because we saw that most of the, let's say, deals, we, we call them, that we lost were not to competition or something else. It was to budget. They yeah. just didn't have the budget for it, although they, they wanted it. And, and, yeah. and you I mean, so to quote Henry Ford, if you ask people what they want, they would say cheaper interpreters. Uh, so, uh, and we, there, and there, but there is a level there on, because as you say, you need two interpreters and, and, and they are also highly professional. So, uh, so that the technology can help to, to supply that big, big demand that's out there for, for these uh, more affordable services so and that takes us to i just i want i think we've already gone over this but i just wanted to bring up some of the quotes the quote i had on screen earlier mm -hmm. for those that are listening as a podcast and can't read it um i'll read this just to define the terms we've been talking about machine translation and automatic speech recognition which are the two technologies that are at play here when we're talking about live captioning um the difference quoting from the article the difference between ASR and MT captions is that with ASR, the AI-powered technology automatically recognizes the speech and transcribes it into text in real time. With machine translation, AI-powered technology will automatically translate the speech from one language into another and display it as text in real time. Moving on, I'm talking about can we automate this live translation, which is what we've been talking about. Um, the quote continues, together, automated speech recognition, or ASR, and machine translation, or MT, technology is able to transcribe and translate live speech. Attendees are provided with real-time closed captions, which they can turn on and off depending 
upon their preferred language. The difference between ASR and MT captions is that with ASR, the AI-powered technology automatically recognizes the speech and transcribes it into text in real time. With machine translation, AI-powered technology will automatically translate the speech from one language into another and display it as text in real time. So that's kind of what we're, we've been talking about for those listening um, when it comes to uh, ASR and MT. And you need both in order to make this work, right? I know there's... I've, I've talked to some folks about... Um, so we're talking about speech-to-text and then machine translation. So another word for ASR would be speech-to-text, um, STT, mm. as some people call it. Um, and I've had some conversations with folks around speech-to-speech engines. Mm. Uh, do you have any comments on speech-to-speech, which, which would be just skipping the step of transcribing it and machine translation translating it for those listening uh, certainly so uh, i mean we provide speech to speech service today we just launched it uh, two weeks or, or or a bit more than a couple of weeks ago at eventec live where you then instead of reading the caption you can listen to the the machine reading them for you that uh, what you are mentioning, the speech-to-speech models, uh, that's quite far. It's, it's still yeah. a cascading approach. Okay. Transcribing, translating, and then the text-to-speech. Right. Uh, the speech-to-speech, we need more data, and uh, yeah, that's more on the... On the university on the academic level side, and, and research yeah. the, uh, level at the moment, but... Let the what nerds we worry provide, about it. <laughs> in reality, this speech-to-speech service that we provide is, you could say, is a speech-to-speech, although it's a, a cascaded approach. Right. I mean, but, at the end of the day, it's the same service. Yeah. It's just what's happening on the back end. Hmm. We're going through different different hoops. Yeah, I was I was just curious about that because the conversations I've had with people about speech-to-speech, I've I've kind of thought the same thing, which is like, why? <laughs> like it, it requires so much data to train the engines. And we're not talking about, um, you know, text-based files or databases. We're talking about audio that needs to be used yeah. to, to train it. So it's such a heavy training process. Like why do that when we can have this um, cascading approach, as, as you put mm. it? So I was just curious curious about that. You, well, but it'd be interesting. Maybe in the future there will be. Well, uh, like you said, I'm sure universities are working on it right now because mm. it's a fascinating thing to in concept. Um, but not every fascinating thing has a practical business use case for it, especially not in the development stage. Mm. You were mentioning earlier that um, there were many reasons why people use captions. And for me like growing up captions were the thing that you accidentally turned on your tv and couldn't figure out how to get rid of and they were super annoying right that was like the only thing that the only time i would ever see captions as an american i wasn't exposed to a lot of foreign films with subtitles um to translate for me so i'd see captions on like the nightly news for example and back then you know 20 years ago I, I don't think it's controversial to say that captions were for the deaf and hard of hearing. It was an accessibility um, service that was being provided so that the deaf and hard of hearing could could understand what was going on on the TV. Today, I would say that's still a very important function of providing live captioning services um, from an accessibility standpoint, but also people's the way people use captions has shifted and i'd say they they've become much more mainstream and you touch on that in your article and for those of you watching i've got some bullet points up here which i'll read later talk to us a little bit about this <clears throat> yes so well where i'm from in, in norway like even 40 years ago we had captions a subtitle because everything was in english so. right yeah. It it's different from where you're from. <laughs> that, that's why I caveated as an American. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's it's an important distinction. Yeah. And uh, and it is uh, 
So captions, certainly for accessibility. What, uh, maybe an example that uh, this was, maybe at the early days of our captions, we were trialing it with a big institution in Geneva. Uh, and then we switched it on for accessibility reasons uh, because that someone needed it for this event. And then we had it for a few and then it was switched off. And then a lot of people said, please switch it on again uh, because they started to use it to follow uh, because you can scroll back and see, okay, what did this delegate say? And when I'm sort of preparing my questions or, and then, so that's a very useful case for it. Also having the transcripts afterwards of everything that's being said when you can, yep. and then having it also in different languages is even more you know, useful if someone is proficient in English, but they have to write the reports to the German colleagues in German, then they would take the German transcripts from the captions to help them in, in the report. And, and we're seeing a lot of these tools today uh, that we're using. So that's... Uh... Yeah, so, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I was going to say, and we're seeing a lot of these tools from the big guys, uh, as you mentioned, Facebook, Google, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're on the back end, for those of you watching who want to know how the sausage is made, on the back end of this live stream right now, we're just sitting in a Google Meet meeting. And Google even has a live caption service where you can turn on the automatic captions and it has a live translation, captioning translation service. So I could turn that on and be getting a transcript in real time of um, what, what we are con talking about. What is the conversation? Where is it going in Spanish, French, German, whatever language I wanted that's supported? How do you see that affecting the way, you know, the fact, and by that I mean the fact that the big guys, the mainstream, the the platform providers themselves mm -hmm. are incorporating language accessibility components into their product. How do you see that affecting the industry? Because I think a lot of companies have built a lot of business around integrating with the platforms and if the platforms are starting to generate their own solutions, is that going to have a negative effect on the industry or is it going to help the industry because it's actually raising awareness and creating that demand that we were talking about? Hmm. I think the latter that it will help the industry. Of course, we as an industry also need to find then where we have our niche and where we can right. add, but on on the low end, having everyone being used to using translated captions and, and captions in, a, let's say, normal meetings, normal, even private conversations sometimes. So that gives when they then have it, let's say, an important meeting, launching a new product or the CEO doing an all hands where they want someone to take the responsibility for it. I think... We've seen similar development in the translation industry, but when Google Translate came out, I think now 16 years ago, uh, you probably had the same, I wasn't in the language industry then, but probably the same discussions where, where mm. what will happen now? Will they all use just Google Translate? But it, we've seen that's created much more business for the professional language service providers because now the demand grows because everyone see okay we we can have it translated now we want it professionally done so yeah it seems like every five years in this industry <laughs> we go through a oh crap we're all going to lose our jobs to fill in the blank <laughs> moment and yeah it was machine translation nowadays it's all about artificial intelligence large language models chat gpt all, all that kind of stuff, which people are talking about, which I'm not going, I'm going to resist the urge to steer the conversation into that direction because I think there's been plenty of conversations happening um, in that space around how chat GPT and AI type services are, are changing our industry. Um, but going back, before we get to the role of the human here, I just wanted to for the for the benefit of those listening as a podcast which we will upload 
later, why use captions? And Audman makes some points in his article. Um, number one, the deaf and hard of hearing, of course, uh, who can follow the dialogue in written form with the aid of captioning. Number two, people who wish to follow the discussion but are in a location where another dialogue is taking place. Um, I think of like when you go to the gym and they have TVs on the wall. They usually have the captions turned on so that you can mm. actually follow what's going along. Um, individuals in a noisy environment, like the gym, in a cafe who wish to follow the event even when listening conditions are poor, um, those who wish to have a readable feed to back up their understanding of what is being said. For instance, in a chemical conference, when complex formulas are being voiced, it is sometimes useful to have a readable text feed alongside the spoken words. And I love that example that you give because this is an example where I definitely want a human in the loop. I wouldn't, if we're talking about complex formulas, I'm not sure I would trust a um, language engine to be able, or a um, speech-to-text engine to be able to capture everything perfectly. Um, and those, um, number, whatever point we're on, those attending but not contributing in areas of poor network connection where audio feeds may or may not be unreliable. And I wanted to go to this where I've, just from a personal standpoint, like these days I watch captions with everything. And I, I think, I'm not sure if it's because, but it happened around the same time that I started watching caption with things with captions when I had kids. <laughs> because kids are noisy. And if you want to understand what's going on and you've got three kids running around having pillow fights, then it helps to have the captions on because then you can actually, um, you, you can listen, but you can also make sure that you're understanding by, by watching the captions. And another thing that I've noticed is um, my kids are excellent readers and writers. I mean, my, my, my kids are four, five, and seven. They're young still. But they've been reading and writing from an early age and I, especially reading, and I attribute that, this is complete speculation on my part, but I attribute that to the fact that they grew up with captions on. And this goes to the point where um, people that want to reinforce, I forget which point it is on screen here, but they want to reinforce what they're hearing. And I think that, especially even from a young age, kids are able to use that as well to be able to reinforce <laughs> what they're learning. And we, we have, you know, some of us are visual learners, some of us are auditory learners, and I think it just, whether or not you're deaf or hard of hearing, I think it's captions have an important role to play. Um, for, Definitely in, in understanding and such. Right. And that for most people, I think, nowadays use it. So. Well, and if I'm going to yeah. watch a program in Spanish or German, and, I mean, I claim to speak those languages right um but i can if i'm listening only i can get a little bit but if i turn those captions on like the comprehension just skyrockets <clears throat> and i'm not talking about captions in english i'm talking about captions in in that actual language well this takes us to um the human element which i think is always so important when talking about interpretation or translation for that matter, but particularly interpretation um, because that's what we do as an industry is connect humans. And I love how you put this, you phrase this in the article, which is taking the robot out of the human. And I'll just read some quotes here that I, I cherry picked. It, it's important to remember that while the technology is perfectly capable of working on its own, there will always be times when interpreters are needed. I'll repeat that. There will always be times when interpreters are needed. Just as computer-aided translation systems led to more work for translators, demand for interpreters will only grow as automation advances. Uh, later, the article goes on to say, which is why, despite the rapid and significant improvements we've seen in machine translations, there continues to be a place for human beings at the table. What machine translations do is help take out the robotic repetitive elements for interpreters and for good reason. And there's a lot more context available in the article for those of you um, that can have access to Multilingual Magazine. 
Um, but Oddman, talk to us a little bit about this. You make this claim that there will always be a role for the human interpreters. What does that look like? <clears throat> like what, what message do you have for the interpreter out there who may be considering leaving the industry because they feel that they're going to be replaced? It, no, I think I mentioned the parallels to the translation industry and mm -hmm. and we are seeing now to provide a good service if we call it interpretify avia which is our overall ai caption and and translated caption service for it to really work well we work with linguists because it's for specialized events you need a glossary uh, you need to get things right company names, right. uh, name of speakers, uh, also maybe some special acronyms, and you need to know them in different languages if it's, because often it's the main language spoken is not English, could be Arabic and such. So there is, a, we're using, let's say, linguists there that often are interpreters. And uh, so that's where we're seeing, and then often, the transcripts that are created, the customer said, okay, we would want that. We want that um, a subtitle and produce a video afterwards because we want to distribute it and use it in e-learning or sure. send. And then these are then not perfect. So they need to then be uh, post-processed by a linguist in various languages, similar to what in the translation industry. So, so that's, that's where I see uh, the linguist and where the machine does the job is just this repetitive uh, job sitting there eight hours and just speaking. Uh, so the, my dream is that uh, one linguist can run 10 events in parallel. Because sometimes <laughs> oh that's fair for one interpreter yeah yeah but you have to use the machines and right. and, and sort of uh, yeah train them and you know, sort of make them ready a bit like interpreters today they prepare for an event they read the documents they they create their own glossary yeah for the machines we need to do similar uh, jobs to make it close to perfect so. Well, it just accelerates. And I do see the questions for those of you that are listening. I'm going to get to those. Um, it just it accelerates things. I've been using ChatGPT. Someone asked a question about ChatGPT, so we have to talk about it mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, like I use ChatGPT to write the introduction I gave to this podcast today. Um, hey, welcome, Odman Bratton. He is the blah, 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 blah. You know, I fed it with a bunch of information from your press releases and said, give me a short mm -hmm. intro for a podcast. And I don't think it got too many things wrong. You tell me <laughs> if the intro was horrible. But what it did, and I heavily, heavily post-edited that. I'm not just, I'm never using raw output from the machines. I'm post-editing it. So it, it's helping in a lot of different use cases. But the question that we have, and sorry guys, there's technical difficulties. I haven't been able to, that's why we started a few minutes late today. LinkedIn was not playing nice with our streaming software. Um, but so I can't bring the questions up on screen, but Atefa Saditi, thank you so much for your comments. Um, Rhonda, Al Ansari, let's get to your question. How we can, how can we learn and teach from, so what do we have to learn from, and you touched on this, what do we have to learn from machine translation post-editing is the first part of the question. And the second part of the question is, and what about chat GPT? And if I were to interpret this question, it's not entirely clear, sorry, Rhonda, but if I were to interpret this, I would say, how is, what, what can we learn from the translation industry, who I think the translation is probably five to ten years ahead of the interpretation industry mm -hmm. as far as implementing technology, um, not because interpretation is incompetent, just because it's so much more complex when you're dealing with live and spoken and all of those components as well. But machine translation post-editing for the translation industry is a way where translators are able to leverage machine translation to increase their efficiency. And how does that translate into 
um, computer-assisted interpretation systems, CHI systems, um, mm. as opposed to CAT, computer-assisted translation systems? Well, in the end, it, these are almost the same system. So a, right. a real-time transcript is then created and like a machine would uh, create or translate a text for a, a translator and then you post edit it using similar tools basically or the same tools often uh, to the post edit transcription that's made in in, in real time so um, i don't think there's a big difference and we are we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here we're using uh, what's being developed for the translation industry so. nice and chat gpt large language models any comment on how these are affecting our space at this point uh, in the let's say the real time space that we are in it's not affecting it um we are well frankly it's not quick enough for real-time yeah. space. Yeah, like, so it's... humans are literally quicker than the best AIs out there, uh, mm. in my opinion. I, I could see it, um, some interesting use cases that we think about for the future is, as you say, chat, GPT, on OpenAI are good at sort of recreating the content for you and because um, what, just to explain also what a machine is, what we have, the machine interpretation is not interpretation, it's just conveying what's being said. Uh, an interpreter sort of paraphrases, maybe shortened and get more to the point, which means that when we do an event captions in English, translated into German and is a fast speaker there is quite a big overload because German is 30% bigger, larger. So we right. need to speed it up. Uh, so there I could see these models being able to do what the interpreter is doing, actually sort of summarizing and actually taking the essence out of what's being said. Uh, and, and even providing the content, let's say it's a medical conference there are various, there are nurses there, there are doctors there, even maybe some patients or laymen. Mm -hmm. And then we would provide a content in a different format for these three different categories mm. from one speaker, which I think that's something where I can see also the, the models can help us. Uh, so there's a pr prediction for the future. And as much as I'd love to keep talking about ChatGPT, because I'm definitely not sick of talking about ChatGPT. <laughs> um, we are running out of time today. So, Odman, any closing thoughts, anything I forgot to ask you um, during the, the our talk today? Uh, no, I mean, you, you mentioned one thing that I remember that you said you wouldn't trust a machine for a chemical formula. Actually, that's... Am I wrong? counterintuitive the machines are actually the more complicated it gets the machines are doing True. often a better job the less complicated or the more ambiguous it is like humor and and sort of getting to the point the human is better so so just on on that side so there is i think the the room for both uh, this, this is true um thank you for correcting me on that um to provide some context on what i meant by that I would trust the machine translation half of the process. Where I would not trust it is the um, speech-to-text, the automatic, automatic speech recognition. And that might just be specific to me, once again, as an American, because, as you know, we Americans talk like we have a wad of chewing tobacco in our mouth at all times. And sometimes machines struggle to understand me. <laughs> so that, that's where I wouldn't trust it, to be able to understand me. But yeah, thank but, you. Thank you for correcting me yeah. on that. But um, no, I think yeah, there is uh, there is a room for both the machines and the human and the sort of uh, 
uh, interpreters will not be replaced by technology. They will be replaced by interpreters utilizing technology. I think that's a famous quote within the industry. So. Yep. Yep. Yes, it is. Well, Odman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, everybody that's joined us in chat. You can please join me in thanking Odman as we close out today. I'm going to bring it home here. If you've enjoyed this NIMSY Live experience, then you can join us next time on tomorrow. And if, like I said at the beginning, we have a lovely calendar of events here in the language industry, but tomorrow I'm going to be talking live with Kirti Vashi. Um, we're going to be talking about the limits of AI and language. So basically continuing this conversation that we started right here today. Um, if you're not already signed up for that, go ahead to our LinkedIn page and sign up for that. So you can also follow Nimsy Insights to make sure that you're subscribed and get notified when we publish the latest research. I appreciate our guest today, Alderman Bratton. I appreciate my colleagues here at Nimsy Insights doing all of the hard work so I can have these fun conversations. I appreciate everybody in our industry who fills out surveys and schedules briefings with us so that we can include you in our published industry research. And lastly, I, of course, appreciate you, the audience, who are joining us live today. All of the dialogue and chat, the comments, questions, and especially criticisms. And I will look forward to next time. Cheers. Cheers.